everybody. Welcome to another episode of Say What Again, Billy Podcast. Very excited for this episode that I'm recording today. It has been a great week so far. The sun is setting late. I love it. This is the greatest time of the year. I'm a baseball fan. Baseball's coming back. I'm waiting for the Mets season to begin. The Mets are looking promising. Yes, I'm a Mets fan. Um, Steve Cohen is the owner of the New York Mets now, as some sports fans know. And for people who don't follow baseball, it's a big deal. I know Steve Cohen is not liked in the world financially because of some of the things he has his money invested in. But as a Mets fan, this is a long time coming. I'm just looking forward to the baseball season to start. So it's a lot of things to look forward to. Spring is actually tomorrow. It is the first day of spring. And it's just a great time of the year when the weather starts to break and you get that grass smell and the weather is just warm and you just lead right on into the summer. In the world of paranormal news, as you guys know, last episode I started this. March 16th, 2021, a new set of Dead Sea Scrolls has been recovered. The first biblical artifacts found in 60 years. That could basically make some of the stories in the Bible pretty much obsolete or actually alter them because the Dead Sea Scrolls are things that were maybe not included in the Bible or basically alter Bible stories. Um, So that's a pretty big deal. March 16th, 2021, Ronald DeFeo, convicted killer of the Amityville horror case on Long Island, dies at the age of 69. I will do a episode on some of the most haunted places, like the top five, top ten haunted places. We'll do that pretty soon in the upcoming episodes to um, to be recorded. But he was a big deal. If you watch the Amityville Horror um, movie with Ryan Reynolds, um, that was the character that he played. There's a big controversy. There's a big story to that. But that is the uh, top two news stories in the world of paranormal that I'm giving you guys. And I'm going to get into a very anticipated episode that I've been wanting to record with a friend of mine. Um, but here we go. So in the world of paranormal investigations, if you're a fan of the paranormal, hopefully one of your favorite movies was the Ghostbusters because that gave all paranormal fans the basic scenery of what it would be like to actually take on the paranormal, go to a haunted location, use the tools, ghost bus, trap the ghost, throw out the trap and take it back to the containment unit, store the ghost in, lock it away like it's a ghost prison, Rikers Island. And to me, Ghostbusters was definitely one of my favorite, favorite movies in the world of the paranormal. And I always wondered what it would be like to be a real Ghostbuster. And although it's not entirely true to actually Ghostbust, the movie Ghostbusters showed some tools that actually have some realism to it. So on this episode, I'm bringing on a very special guest, my one of my greatest friends, one of my best friends from my childhood. He was the one that actually did the introduction music to my podcast, the background music you guys are hearing now. I like to bring on a really big Ghostbuster fan himself, Joey Valentino. Joey, welcome on Say What Again, Billy podcast. Hey, good evening. How are you doing? <laughs> How's it going, brother? This I had to bring you on for this episode because not only have you been helping me out, but you can help me out <laughs> with this podcast because I know you are one of the biggest Ghostbuster fans that I have uh, as a friend. Uh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, I've been uh, obsessed with it just as much as just as much as you since we were little kids. So, um 
it's uh thank you for having me on here and uh you know thank for the nice little shameless plug on the person who did the uh intro for you <laughs> of course of course it's uh it's got a lot of likes as far as the intro goes so I remember when um, what people don't know is Joey was one of the uh, group members of my paranormal research group. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this at one point in the group, we were actually contemplating thinking of trying to make some kind of proton pack for the investigation. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember it's that. It's so right? ridiculous. We were kids, man. <laughs> yeah. So we did start the group fairly young and, um, you know, yeah. we did have a lot of wandering minds, but for the most part, we did a lot of good work with the paranormal investigations and stuff yeah. like that. Just but I, minus I think... the nu- the physics, you know, minus the physics aspect, but you know, right. <laughs> nuclear physics, that is. <laughs> I, I feel like every paranormal investigator out there has dwindled or, or uh, dreamt of the idea of possibly doing what the movie did. But there are some things to the Ghostbuster movie that I've been looking at this week that have some similarities in the real paranormal world. Um, so, Joey, I'm asking yeah. you, I'm going to ask you this off the off the bat. What is the what is some of the equipment on the uh, and we're going to use both of the movies and I'm going to kind of. Well, we can we can dwindle on to the uh, 2016 movie, even though I'm personally not a fan. But what are some of the well, things in the movie that you actually uh, see in real life paranormal? OK, so what I see that's in real life paranormal, I, I know you probably covered this on one of your podcasts before, but uh, the PKE meter is pretty much what an EMF meter is. So they use psychokinetic energy electromagnetic field is what actual uh, paranormal investigators will use. I know we use many of them. Uh, we had like the cell sensor and I believe the other one was just called EMF was just EMF meter ma- magnet. I can't remember. It was a gray box. Uh, the most popular item to buy for ghost hunting. And then another one that sometimes they use is a Geiger counter, which, you know, it's generally used to study radiation. Uh, I don't know the correlation, the idea that went behind uh, ghost hunting with uh, ghosts giving off any radiation for that matter. But I know the Gaga meter in uh, Ghostbusters 2 was a very similar model design of what a Geiger meter looks like. And it kind of has the similar sounding names. Um, also, there's another tool. Uh, remember the ecto goggles. Um what a lot of uh, paranormal investigators use is UV sunglasses along with UV uh, flashlight to try and see. So that kind of goes in the field of what the um, ecto goggles did because the ecto goggles were supposed to catch ghosts uh, that were unseen to the untrained eye. That that was my understanding behind it. I don't know if you have a different interpretation of it with that. Um, the only other tool I don't know that uh, that was supposed to be in any way related to anything real was if you remember in Ghostbusters 2 when they're searching out the museum and uh you know Venkman does that whole thing with you know destroy me give it get it yeah Winston's using the weirdest type of tool uh it's got like a spatula attached to it fans have named it something on I can't remember it um but it's on if you look on any Ghostbusters website, you'll find that uh, fan named uh, piece of ghost hunting equipment that people just make for just for the laughs of it for Halloween gags. 
and everything, but I don't know what that was supposed to. I I actually know what you're talking. You know what I'm talking about, right? I feel yeah. I in see I in Ghostbusters one, Peter Mm -hmm. Vinkman when he went into Dana Barrett's apartment, he had that thing that he was pumping. Right. Yeah, that was that thing too. Yeah. Right. He had that that thing. It looked like a cassette player, and it was attached to like some stick. And the thing that you use for the uh, to take your your um your blood pressure when you go into the doctor's office. Yeah. He was pumping it. So that was like one tool that really didn't have a uh, a name in Ghostbusters one. And I know what you're talking about with Winston. He had it was like it looked almost like a. Uh, a hammer and he was twirling it uh, yeah it was yes. so weird so i think <laughs> both movies they they kind of did it as like maybe a spoof to have some kind of equipment that was basically unnamed but fans don't yeah. the name to them i know exactly yeah. what you're talking about but i am going to piggyback off what you said so the mm-hmm. pke meter is definitely the resemblance to the emf meter and again the emf meter i've uh i've touched on this in other podcasts emf meters supposedly in the world of paranormal investigation the when a ghost manifests itself or is about to manifest itself or do something ghosts tend to use energy around the environment that it's in and an emf meter can detect electromagnetic fields which is essentially what a ghost would use to try to do things maybe move an object um give an evp um so these emf meters are said to pick up um ghost anomalies or activity so the pke meter is basically the um ghostbuster movie version of an emf meter so that is one i would say out of everything we're going to get into today that is actually the most accurate piece of equipment that's in this ghostbuster movie that's actually in the world of the paranormal investigations um the goggles um what you said the uv sunglasses uh, some people i've seen a lot i've seen some actually investigators use uh, something to that but i i feel like the goggles kind of uh translate into and I really wish I knew the right term of exactly what it's called, but there is uh, a method that ghost hunters use now um, where they use these video cameras to pick up basically stick figured images um, in their investigations. And they film a certain area of a house or, or um, an area in general, and these stick figures form when an anomaly is detected. So if you actually film someone in your investigation group, you'll see like a stick figure form actually within that person. But sometimes these stick figures form when no one's standing there. And sometimes these investigators uh, just simply look at their camera and can see it through the screen of the camera. Or they wear some kind of headset and can pick it up. So those goggles, the ghost goggles, will it kind of translate into um, that piece of paranormal um, equipment. I I just feel like it took us into this like uh, this day and age for us to kind of have that technology now. You know, so I feel like that that's like the technology now for what we will use. Like, because I remember you showed me that something like that on an app when we were all talking like uh, a couple months back. You were sending me like images from your picture from like a screenshot of the. Right. Yeah. It was an app that was playing around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because so I remember that. I feel like it took a while for us to get up to that. So the first incarnation, I think, would be the UV flashlight and uv sunglasses than that but it always correlates to what that film showed us right so it's it's kind of crazy too if you look at the ghostbusters because these movies came out in the 80s late mid 80s to late 80s and i think ghostbusters 2 came out what 91 92 no 1989 1989 okay so it's crazy when you look at that equipment and then what ghost hunters started using from the mid 90s all the way up until recent until current yeah um 
you know what they what they had in the movie. But uh, you know, people before we get into uh, more stuff with the equipment, um, if any of you guys and I always talk about documentaries, TV shows, and etc. Um, mm-hmm. there, there was a documentary and Joe, you can correct me on this. Uh, I think it was the movies that we love on Netflix, the movies that yes. made us, the movies that made us. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, I watched the documentary, uh, about the Ghostbusters movie and they went a little bit into, uh, Dan Aykroyd and his family and himself were heavy into the occult, just like Ray Stance, the character he portrayed in the Ghostbusters movie. So Ray, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, Ray, I'm calling him Ray, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Um, brought a lot of his actual real life um, elements of paranormal into the Ghostbusters movie. Um, you even seen a see a, a scene in Ghostbusters two where they go into his bookstore, raise a cult, and you know he basically had a bookstore about paranormal stuff. Um, Dan Aykroyd, his family was just heavy into the occult, so he brought a lot of these ideas into the Ghostbusters franchise. Yeah, he has. And you know, what's uh, interesting. He was on the Joe Rogan's uh, show and he talked about how his um, I believe it was his uh, grandfather had the, the three Sanderson sisters. I can't remember if I'm saying their names correctly. Uh, I don't know if it's Sanderson or Anderson, uh, these three sisters that would do seances and they had him come to their ranch. His uh, I believe his grandfather and do a seance and people thought that they were you know women that were just out for money and that they were lying because you know anything that comes to the spiritual paranormal or anything like that people are always going to be skeptical right and rightfully so but um these women from what i understand were the real deal and dan Aykroyd said he witnessed it as a kid so his family has always been into that that whole uh, the whole paranormal field, and that's what did translate for him to write Ghostbusters. It, it's been an obsession of his, he says, and uh, you know he just took a passion of his and went with it. Yeah, that's and that's one hundred percent accurate. The Sanderson sisters, I feel like uh, I feel like we're talking about Hocus Pocus, the movie, the Hocus Pocus movie. Yeah, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Was, I don't know if, if that. It's if, weird if, how their name kind of sounded like these girls. That, that's what I thought when I. When I watch it, you got to find the Joe Rogan podcast. If anyone listening, watch Joe Rogan with Dan Aykroyd as a guest. He talks about the whole thing because Joe Rogan was very skeptical about what Aykroyd was uh, putting out there. Right. I got to I got to watch that. Maybe that's actually a reference or something that actually Disney used. Well, I wouldn't say Disney because whoever directed Hocus Pocus probably knew about that and made that made that reference to the sisters of the movie. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, Dan exactly. Aykroyd had brought a lot of elements from real life into the Ghostbusters and portrayed it. And sure enough, in the world of paranormal investigations, um, there are pieces of equipment that, uh, you know, paranormal investigators are actually using. So we, we said about the PKE meter, which is basically the EMF meter, kind of touched on the goggles um, that translates to some video uh, photography equipment that investigators use. Um, you know what? You know, what's funny. It's it's not exactly a great comparison, but it's very similar in, in a way. So. In the recent years, a very big piece of paranormal investigation tools has been the spirit box. And I've kind of seen that come about within the last 10 years, 12 years or so. And I feel like I can do a resemblance to the to the ghost trap because, you know, you're basically you're not trapping the ghost, but you're calling it energy or giving it energy to like talk, you know. So I just feel like the the spirit box is a resemblance to the ghost trap, even though you're not really catching the ghost but it's the box the ghost trap 
that's the only comparison I can come up with the ghost trap. Yeah, I can see I can see your thing, uh, your you know the comparison. There. I can see the connection. Uh, me personally, I just think a spirit box is like, to me, that's just very spooky uh, to use. I mean, I I know we were I was part of that group with when we were kids, but now as I've gotten older, it's become something that's an interest from afar. Not that I would um, partake in it anymore, just because of like, and you know some personal stories of what I've told you that I've seen and heard over the years and. Uh, if I were to ever see anyone try to use that in my presence, I'd probably just run for the hills. Yeah. So, so <laughs> it, it's funny how, how everything changes. People, you know, change their perspective of what we did when we were younger to now. I guess my, my perspective on, on the whole ghost thing or paranormal thing in general is basically stayed the same. To this day, I would oh, yeah. still love, you know, I, I always said when I, when I watch these shows on travel, uh, Discovery Plus, I always say, I wish that. I had the opportunity to go into one of these major, major haunted locations from seven o'clock at night and spend it all the way to six, seven o'clock in the morning. I would do it. And I wish I had the opportunity to bring two or three friends. Joe, I would know I'd not to ask you, believe me. I wouldn't. Oh, hell no. <laughs> I, don't worry about I'm that. with you in spirit. I'll send you pictures of myself to make you feel like I'm there. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask you, but I would love to do that because, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, to go to a really haunted location and spend the night, you know, um, it, it's still like a dream. Like I never got to that, um, that point in the group to get to a, a major location and do that. Um, I actually, you know, not, I'm not trailing off the subject here, but I actually got, yeah. and I don't know if you remember this story, the furthest I ever came to almost making it big in the paranormal world was when the show oh, Taps came out, Ghost Hunters, right? Yes, I remember this. Uh, There was a story about Fordham University being built on Indian, like Indian ground. And I was reading up on it and really researching it. And I had called Fordham to basically speak to someone that was in, um, I guess, the student council or something to that extent and couldn't really get through to them. And I actually reached out to the TAPS. That's the, the name, the Ghost Hunters name of the paranormal group taps the atlantic paranormal society and i was able to actually get in touch and leave a message and i got a phone call one day from the the guy of um in their group steve gunslav um was on a different show now i think it's ghost nation it's called um he's back with jason hawes and 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 dave tango i believe the name is and he actually called me back and we had a lengthy conversation um, but unfortunately, Fordham University <laughs> didn't really want to have that, I guess, that publicity. But um, I was actually oh, speaking yeah. on the phone to a guy that was on TV and he said, listen, the story sounds really great. It would be awesome if they let us go there. And where I came into the factor is I said to him, I would like my group to help your group out because we found it. We just can't handle a case that big. And he's like, we could have did it, but Fordham didn't allow. And I was like, ah, oh, terrible, you know, Um yeah, that would have been that would have been a big that would have been like, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> one of the very bucket list dream items come true for me. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, it didn't pan out. No, I mean, I, I remember that that, that would it would have been cool. But um, in a way, I'm kind of thankful it never happened because I I, I just would. Thinking back on it, I probably have nightmares. Yeah, about he definitely would have been one of the people that would have <laughs> came with me. Um, that would have been, yeah, at that time you would have been one of the guys. I do have friends that, that, uh, eventually got into it. Um, when I told them, 
um, as as time went on that I'm into this stuff. And um, they're like, oh, I'll go with you next time you go and do something. But so far, the opportunity hasn't really presented itself in, the, in, in recent times. But um, as far as going back into the topic of the Ghostbusters, um, there are some slight theories. And I know you said you looked at this, that a proton yes. pack in essence could possibly be possible. Yes. So... I mean, according to uh, uh, a news uh, website that was done in uh, Florida Tech, the uh, it was dated back to November seventeenth, twenty twelve. So, according to them, uh, what a proton pack is, it's got uh, accelerating particles. It's a device that has accelerating particles. I don't want to try and sound too sciencey because then I, I don't even understand. I'm not going to even pretend. To, to sound like I understand uh, particle nuclear physics, uh, but uh, particle uh, these particles and used in nuclear physics, uh, they use them in the medical field. So this is how they say like they can be possible to do a proton pack because they use them in the medical field for proton therapy, which is used to help uh, treat people with cancer. So proton stream is directed at the disease areas of the body and used to try to dis- and destroy the bad cells. The the cell I'm I'm reading this right now off the site. I just want to make that abundantly yeah, clear. Yeah, so this is from Florida uh, Tech News, and the the link, if anyone is interested, that I have here is news.fit.edu. That's the Florida Tech. Yes, that's it. I don't believe there's anything. There's a bunch of other stuff to it. Law slash archive slash the dash physics dash of dash Ghostbusters slash. So if you type in Florida Tech basically on Google and type in Ghostbusters Proton Pack, this article will most likely pop up first. Correct. Um, So where was I with this? It says this does not require a high amount of precision, though, which begs question. Why do uh, the streams from the Proton Packs and Ghostbusters look so big and terrifying and electrifying? Uh, I don't think the stream from their proton pack would help anyone with cancer. Uh, it is just uh, special effects from Columbia Pictures or uh, or real proton pack would work just with more precise aim. So in, in the medical field, we know that this is something that is that is used. So proton right. therapy, proton yes. therapy. The only thing I, I guess that it, it, we're not at a point yet. Where and I and I said this to you during the week, and I have to mention this on the podcast because I don't think there's been a video, and I've watched a lot of videos and I watch a lot of shows. There hasn't been a video or even a story of a ghost being visible for longer than I would say a two-minute, three-minute span. I I, I can't recall yeah. uh, any story where someone's literally staring at a ghost for longer than two minutes. So I would feel that if any kind, let's just, and this is far-fetched, that any, any theory that Ghostbusters, a proton pack, could be used on ghosts, we'd have to basically study the ghost and see it for longer than what we do, we do see it. A lot of the reports of people uh, sighting a ghost or seeing a ghost, it's like you turn around, it's there, you see something, you saw a person, you turn back around, it's gone. I, we would have to really know how a ghost manifests itself and becomes physically like seen and what it, what, it, what it, you know, what makes it show up, what makes it present, what makes it there in order to even contemplate coming up with a theory on how to, we got to trap it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I know exactly what I mean. And, and you know, like, I'll say this. It, if there was a video like that online, would anyone really believe it? See, that's the, see, that's, when that's it, the thing. When it comes to, to the world of paranormal, you know, there's people out there like myself and like some of these people that are on these shows that really want to find something and prove it. But there's so many people with, you know, I understand people like Mike DeLuna. I understand. He's a friend of ours. <laughs> How are you just going to name him? Out, I know, I throw, listen, I, all my close friends, I'll just throw them out there. I'll throw them under the bus. Mike, I am so sorry. Right but now. no, 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 it's no. fine. So don't know. So listen, so Mike, okay. So to yeah. everyone listening. Mike was one of our members in our group. And when he was in our group, he was, it came to, you know, it, I had the assumption that he was a believer, even though he, he kind of was uh, a skeptic to a low level at that time. Now he's more of a skeptic. Mm. So it, it, that, you know, people like that, that are just full on skeptics. Now they're the people that will see something that may be genuine and say, no, you know, it's, it's fake. It's fake. There's, there's an explanation to it, but there are people out there trying to find evidence. And, and when they find this evidence, put it out there and there's going to be the skeptics out there to say, no, nah, no way. I'm not buying it. And I guess the only way to really prove to someone that there is possibly paranormal activity is to take them to a location for them to experience, you know, it itself. And my my one of my mm -hmm. previous podcasts that I had filmed, I had um, told my my listeners that uh, it was my paranormal study, uh, my paranormal story podcast that that episode. And I had got a call for to go investigate a kid's um, you know haunted bedroom that this this girl was having um, some weird stuff happen, and her father was concerned that his daughter was doing these weird things. And when I went to investigate. The rule of thumb, and if you you probably remember this from back then, the rule of thumb in mm -hmm. paranormal investigations is not to go on an investigation alone because anything can happen. And I'm not just talking about the ghost. You go to these abandoned locations, there could be a, a numerous amount of things that can happen. So I brought a friend who was a non-believer. And again, I'm repeating myself, but he was like, this is what we're doing on a Friday night. Ultimately, we had went to this location and a lot of things happened. And he was a non-believer in the car on the way up there. And he was a believer on the way back home because of the things that were happening. And there were three major things that happened on that investigation. And again, I'm not trying to stray away from the point of this episode, but I actually spoke to that friend who actually put me on to that investigation today. And I was he was listening to the podcast and he was saying, you know, it's a great podcast. And he was giving me my giving me the support. And he actually said, you know, I don't know if I told you this, but after you left, you know, a couple, I guess, months later, weeks later, um, or sometime later, um, the person whose apartment was haunted with that whole thing happening with the little girl, they got it blessed and nothing ever happened again. So anyways, that person that I brought became a believer. And I think that's what skeptics need to, to, to basically experience something paranormal, because if you show them in evidence form, they're going to they're going to be in disbelief you know they're going to say it's fake either way you know what i've learned with skeptics though you know uh, this is what i've learned either number one skeptics are skeptics because they're so frightened to see something they just want to put it out there that no there's nothing going on or number two they just never seen 
anything at all when they've wanted to so badly and are just like, yeah, it just doesn't exist then. Or number three, skeptic is just a skeptic because they believe in the science of everything. So you always have those types of those three different types of personality traits of uh, what makes a skeptic. Um, and, you know, when a skeptic just tries to explain everything away with BS answers, it's like, look, sometimes you can't explain something. So just say, just be honest and say, I don't know why this and this happened. I, I, I'm right. not going to even pretend. So uh, th that's one thing. Like Even Joe Rogan said that on his uh, podcast before. He said, like, you know what? I don't, if, if you're a skeptic and you say that I don't know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to flat out say, I don't know. I, I'll have more respect for you than trying to explain it. But, you know, when it comes to the world of the paranormal, you're always trying to have science give the most logical explanation. The whole point is to, I remember TAPS do try to do that. They try to disprove everything first. Right. Because that you have to go with the most logical uh, of explanations. Because every when people post something online, let's be honest, people want to do that for views, hits, and likes on a video. Uh, they're also testing out their um, editing and camera trick skills. Uh, and that's what kind of makes all those uh, videos just seem disingenuous. I watch them to this day, uh, even the ones that I, uh, I like sent you like a couple weeks ago, just for a good scare, because sometimes you just like being scared. Uh, but like you wouldn't like being scared in real life, but watching a scary video on your phone at night sometimes just give you that little thrill. But I also try to watch it to be like, okay, what is, is this real? Is this is this something that's plausible? Is this something that uh, someone is just pulling our legs with? So that's, I think it's not bad to be skeptical, but, you know, like, just keep yourself open right. to so it. So the, the TAPS Paranormal Investigation Group, um, they had that show, uh, Ghost Hunters. I actually liked their logic mm. of debunking and disproving because... Honestly, it's the best logic to go into an investigation and I would just ghost anything, you know, and it's, it's great to try to disprove something. You know, I always use the, mm -hmm. um, the story of people like when you go to these cases, what do you do? And I says, well, let's say you tell me that every morning or every morning your keys on the table and you happen to have a cat. And you say every morning, you every night, you leave the keys on the table. And in the morning, you wake up and your keys are on the floor near the kitchen, which is like 20 feet from the, the dining room. And then I, I would mm -hmm. tell the person, you know, when they ask me how I go about the investigation, I'll set up a camera and I'll watch it, you know, the next morning and see what happens. And then I'll tell that person when I review the footage that, hey, your cat's knocking the keys off the table at night and playing with them. And that's why you're finding them in the kitchen or you're finding them elsewhere. But if I replace... Right. If I play that video footage and your keys are going off the table and there's no cat playing with them, I'll show you the video footage and say, guess what? Your house is haunted. You know, that's how I basically break it down to them. Um, in the last, you know, you got to I think in the, every every 10 years, people's skills with Internet and editing become better. In 2000, some of the videos that I used to watch on YouTube now. I actually started watching videos with an old friend years and years ago. I don't know if you remember, Joey, Web TV. Yeah. So Web, Web TV, I think I do. I, when I like, first got into the paranormal, um, and this is a story I left out of my, my podcast episode, but me and this kid, James, um, we would 
I'd go to his house and he'd have the keyboard for web TV. And he'd pull up the internet on the TV and he'd go to YouTube and he'd type in all this crazy stuff. And we'd sit there just literally watching paranormal stuff. And a lot of the stuff at that time, I could tell you right now, had to be genuine because I don't think people had those skills in the mid 90s, late 90s to do some of those things um, that we saw. But now in the like the most recent years, it's very easy to do things, put it on YouTube and, and, and get people that are gullible. Because even though skeptics are are an issue for trying to prove what's actually real, gullible people are an issue. Because if you have gullible people, you know, you have people believing anything. So then it's just really hard to believe anything in general. You know what I mean? So, well, no, yeah, in you're the, right. Yeah, you're right. You're, no, that, that's, I've actually, you're right I, I, I said this again. I can actually crop a face uh, onto a, a, a photo from my phone, not even the computer. And, and people, people randomly text me and say, hey, Billy, can you put this guy's face on this person? You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, so what I can, what I can do simply from my phone, you know, I actually put your face in, in, in Ray's body from Ghostbusters and I sent it to you and I did it real (laughs) quick, you know? So it's very, it's very easy nowadays to do things like that. And that's why when you go on YouTube, just like I told you, you got to be very careful in what you watch. And that's why I actually watch the paranormal evidence court on tape show on the travel channel and discovery plus now, because these are actual um, the people that are reviewing the evidence and talking about it on that show. They are they are actual paranormal investigators. There's actually two or three of them that are actually scientists, parapsychologists, like literal parapsychologists. Like they have their, I guess, doctorate if you get that in school. Um, there's a folk there's a folklorist yeah. on the show, and these are people that this is what they do. This is like their either their primary job or their secondary job. They're on this show. And I don't think they're putting on fake stuff on that show. I think for the most part, a lot of stuff is really reviewed and, and they go through a process to say, is this worthy on to get onto the show? And they get it onto the show and, you know, they talk about it and it was worthy to be on the show. And these people are pretty trustworthy to talk about it. And that's why it's on their show. Yeah. And, you know, even Ghostbusters in the two films, they, they, did the process of elimination debunking method too if you remember like um when they were questioning uh the woman in the library in the beginning just to see if like are you on any drugs narcotics do you or any members of your family have paranoid schizophrenia my my uncle thought he was saint jerome i call that a big yes and he asked if she's you know menstruating that peter (laughs) did that in the library in the beginning of the first movie (laughs) Yeah. And then um, you would, you would see the- um, on Peter Vinkman's show, he had the uh, the gentleman on and the girl from yeah, the World of the Psychics. Psychic. And you, know, the, you, you looked at them like they were complete nut jobs and they were on that show. So, you, you know, you do you do allude yeah. to that with as far as um, those types of people and, and what they used on Ghostbusters. Yeah, interesting enough, though, that, that second guest, was right. The world was going to end right. on New Year's in Eve. the movie. Yes, that was yeah. It was actually yeah. so. <laughs> That's yeah. the biggest joke. As you get older, you realize that you're like, oh yes. wow, that guy was right. I remember that, and then <laughs> yeah, that was the Vigo scene in the museum and everything going on there. Yeah. So uh, uh, we, I want to actually get back and, real quick to the Ghostbusters thing because um, the equipment. So the Gaga meter, 
the Gaga meter, yeah. I remember that as a kid because when me and my father watched Ghostbusters 2, he would just be like, oh, the Gaga meter because my dad likes saying funny names. I actually have in my equipment and um, I'm going to I'll pull it out and I'll show you. Um, I have a Geiger counter to this day. I actually have a Geiger counter from it's when I got it on the website. It, it said that it's from um, World War Two production. So during World War II, obviously the you know yeah. the nuclear bombs was becoming a thing, and I guess they had Geiger counters to detect radiation, certain things. Um, so I purchased a Geiger counter because I had read at the time that you know paranormal activity or ghosts can be detected through radiation. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go on an arm here and I'm going to spend some of this extra cash that I was making at the time on a Geiger counter. Um, I actually probably used it once. It's very hard. You actually have to calibrate it. Um, it looks just kind of yeah. you know. It, it, it's similar to the Gaga meter in the movie. You hold it the same way as Egon was holding the Gaga meter over the sewer yep. cap in the Manhattan street. Um, but that, that's, that is another piece of equipment that's very similar to the movies um, to branch off the equipment. Because like I said, the proton pack, um, I think we are going to be a long, long way um, from ever doing something like that with, with ghosts. Um, but I would be surprised if the government I, has I, something I, like you know, that. I, you know, I'll put my tinfoil hat on, man, right now and say they probably, probably and they like definitely, that. and that's, you know what, they probably definitely have a lot of stuff. That's definitely going to be an episode in the future of what yeah. we think the government may have, because I guess it, it's more for the alien stuff is, is more, more than the ghost stuff. But um, in the yeah. Ghostbuster movies, this is one thing that is very true to actual paranormal terminology and investigation. The ectoplasm that Egon and Peter Venkman took samples of in the library scene, which is the very beginning, mm -hmm. their very first ghost in the first movie, ectoplasm is an actual real thing. There has been paranormal investigators um, that have went to locations and found a residue. And um, this residue is actually more predominant, a predominant in demon activity, that demons actually leave Ooh. a residue uh, behind. And not just a liquid like ooze, like this the the ooze that or the goo that was in the slime that was in Ghostbusters too. Um, not only actual substance, but an actual smell of sulfur. Um, a lot of people that say mm -hmm. right, rotten. A eggs, lot of people basically. say when they you know have a an, a haunting that they smell rotten eggs or something that's similar to sulfur. Um, it's not just privy to uh demons but it's also other ghost activity but in the movie ghostbusters they collected samples of ectoplasm and i believe in the real paranormal terms we terms we actually call that residue ectoplasm so it's actually same in the movie mm -hmm. yeah that's true i and you know um i i've never seen a case uh that i've like looked at uh, online that had any like ectoplasm residue, and if it if it did, I would I would assume it would attribute to anything in uh, demonology. I, I wish I I wish uh, I have to start writing down so... when I'm watching the TVs. I have to start writing down the name of the show, the episode, the air date, so that I could uh to get, you know I just have a habit of watching stuff and then just watching it and remembering and talking about. It. But I have to start doing that because I think I feel like I watched that last week and they were talking about. Um, it was actually a documented police case, and I forgot what state it happened. This family, um, they called Child Protective Services on this mother because the mother was making these weird uh, 911 calls, and the police got involved, and Child Protective Services got involved, 
And then they started to see that, you know, the mother of these kids is not doing anything. There is something going on. And eventually in this particular haunting, um, they started finding this residue and um, people and priests had went to this, this location. Um, they vacated the house. And even when the house was vacated, the priest would go back with the police officers and find this residue. Um, and also it was accompanied by that sulfur smell. And apparently the end of the case, uh-huh. it was something that was a um, demonic. It was an evil, uh, a very evil presence in that house. So, um, and it's not just, that's actually that not only the only time that I have heard of ectoplasm. Um, there's a lot of times that substances or smell um, turn up in cases. Ectoplasm is more of the, one of the rarities of paranormal investigations though. Um, oh, also another thing with the, with the, um, the Ghostbuster movie um, branching off from the equipment aspect more towards the ghost aspect. You know, there's people that like to try to um, make the ghost mad and make the ghost speak out. Oh, right? there, there are people that, that do that. Um, what is his name? Zach Bagans from, from the uh, Ghost Adventures. He kind of got uh-huh. into that heavy throughout the last years or so. Um, I remember watching that show when it first came out. He never really did it. It seems like he does it more. But that brings you to the um, courthouse scene of Ghostbusters 2, where we find out the slime yeah. is mood sensitive. And they actually yelled and the anger brought out the Scolari brothers. And uh, yeah, from yes, the, uh, the judge from was the judge. so angry. And he was causing the the um, slime to bubble. And uh, it was not only the slime was not only a trigger object. It was like basically what made the, the ghost come out from yelling and screaming. Like the, I guess the slime assumed in the movie it was being talked to. Um, yeah, because of him. Right. He put and those he guys also, in the that's chair. exactly it. Remember he he got... was the one that put the Scolari <laughs> brothers in the chair. So not only did he trigger the activity for them to come back, but he was the one that essentially took their lives in the. Yeah, think about that. Mood Slime acted as a doorway for two people that he had killed by, electric, uh, by electrocution to come through and yes. come back to haunt yes. him. So I just, I just was like going through the, you know, every week coming up, like, what am I going to talk about? Because People say, how can you have a podcast about, you know, paranormal? You know, won't you get, you know, won't you run out of material? And every week I actually get to a point where I'm like, I got so many ideas what to talk to, but, you know, talk about, but what, what should I talk about? And I was thinking about it because, you know, we're all anticipating November 2020, um, 2021 because of the new Ghostbuster Afterlife movie. Um, so I was, re- you know, just going oh, yeah. through the movies in my head. And looking at the equipment, and Joey, you also know I was contemplating buying a, a, a proton pack, you know, an actual like a replica <laughs> of one. Yeah. And I was like, you know, yes, it It'd would be really cool. <laughs> um, but I was, you know, be, looking at the great. equipment, and I'm like, you know, Egon with the PKE meter, um, that that's that's like an EMF meter. And then I'm, and then I looked at the Geiger counter that you spoke of, and you brought up, and I'm like. I mean, the uh, Gaga counter. And I was like, that's a Geiger counter. And then I was looking at the, yeah. the iconic library scene. Because to me, you have those the two movies. And if you want to be a nice guy, include the 2016 movie. And you you have that iconic scene. To me, the, the most iconic scene of the Ghostbusters 
is what started the Ghostbusters, that library scene. And right at the beginning of the library scene yeah. is where they're gathering evidence and then they meet the ghost of the, li- the librarian ultimately and they get there, they get stuck there with their thumbs up their butts and like, okay, what do we do? You know? Um, but that is an iconic yeah. scene. Get her. But there's just a <laughs> lot of stuff in the Ghostbusters that kind of can translate into actual paranormal investigations. And also, you know, who knows what the future holds? I, I have to say, like, every two years, I watch these ghost shows on travel and Netflix and Discovery Plus now. I feel like certain groups that I'm watching are using different, um, you know, different things, different equipment. Um, Zach Bagans mm-hmm. and his group, um, they have a, um, you know, a tech expert. I believe his name is Bill, Billy Tully. Uh, his name is Billy Tully, too. And he mm-hmm. makes equipment for you know zach and his group and he's he's made some crazy things he made a a piece of equipment they were investigating the uh joe exotics old place and he made a yeah he they they were investigating that and that's an actually (laughs) interesting episode um because a lot of you know you would say okay i saw tiger king why why is that place haunted well you have to understand when things happen that are really dark and really like horrific Negative energy can cause a lot of things to happen. So mm-hmm. they were investigating there and there was some crazy reports and rumors and stories of, you know, activity there. So this guy, Billy Tully, made a um, water pipe system where this pipe was running with water and they were basically using water to detect the energy. Because remember, water and elements also give ghost energy to do things. He ran a pipe, of like a yes. plastic pipe, through you know, throughout the grounds and area, they had the pipes in areas where they weren't investigating at the time, running a voice recorder and actually picking up EVP from the water in the pipes from feet, hundreds of feet away. So this guy is an expert in paranormal equipment. And ultimately it might be a guy like that, that can, that can really make some equipment that can possibly uh, maybe trap ghosts temporarily you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, certainly on what, uh, going back to what you said about that, like the, the negative energy that would be in a place like that. I, I 100% believe that even though it's like, Oh, it's like killing the killing of uh tigers. It's, it's life. No matter what killing, uh, you're killing something in the most barbaric and horrific way. That's just not, not like, not like it's ever necessary, but that is just tremendously unnecessary the way he was handling things out there. And that the further you do that and the negative energy attracts to that area, the further that negative energy can also become more influential to what's going on in that area even more. So not only did it come attracted to that area, it begins to influence it to become further and grow. So, and I 100% believe that. And, you know, with the stuff with the, you know, I, we all know, like, circling back to what you said also with uh, Ghostbusters 2016, um, I'll keep my opinion to myself um, on that. Uh, but uh, the one thing about the film is it's probably got the most scientifically accurate tellings of the equipment being used because they use an actual physicist named uh, James Maxwell. He's a staff scientist at the Department of Energy's uh, uh, Jefferson Lab. And Lindley Winslow, an assistant professor of physics at MIT, they were called in to be 
uh, experts on the film to talk about how equipment and machinery could be used okay. with ghost hunting. So I, I thought that was a very interesting fact that they actually use some actual scientists to really uh, get the science down right of the 2016 yeah, I, I Ghostbusters. Won't, I won't take credit away um, from the... See, so I'm, I'm not giving my opinion without giving my opinion. I, 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 I always said yeah. I would have liked the movie more had it been their daughters instead of just making a full on re- Yeah, a of full course, on. Yeah, reboot. they were related. I to think it there somewhere. are some things in the world of movies that should not be touched, you know. Um, and then you know it's just touching a, a classic, and then you make something like that. But to the credit. The proton packs in that movie were not bad. I, I, I kind of think they were, they could have been a little better. Um, the aspect of having real scientists and, and giving like real scientific data on how things could be used was, was, you know, an A plus for that aspect. Um, you know, and uh, some of the equipment they had in the movie, the concept was, was pretty good. They kind of went almost extreme ghostbusters with the, you know, the girl that resembled Egon in the movie using those like uh, portable guns or that. You know, they kind of did like oh, Kylie yes, from yes. the extreme Ghostbusters. Um, but I get, I do give some credit to the 2016. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Just I'm one of those one of those fans that just well, yeah, of course. really didn't enjoy it. But in the world of Ghostbusters, the movie and, you know, the, 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 the fictional world of Ghostbusters, there are a lot of things that from the ghost to the equipment that actually translate somewhat into the actual paranormal world. Um, and like I was saying to you just mm-hmm. before, every year, every two years, there is new equipment to investigate the paranormal. And in my in my hopes, um, mm-hmm. or in the hopes of everyone that likes the paranormal, I hope that equipment and and photos and technology can come up, you know, get a little better to try to catch better evidence. There are photos um, that cannot be debunked. There are people that are professional. Um, you know, videographers or photo photographers, and they not only take photos and make things look nice in, in the form of photos, but they look at the photos and they could say, hey, mm-hmm. there's no way this is actually tampered with. This is like 100% real. You know, there is that photo um, I had mentioned in my news, um, my news prior to getting into the show, my news segment of the show that um, William DeFeo uh, from the uh, Amityville Horror, uh, no Ronald. I'm sorry, Ronald DeFeo uh-huh. from uh, the Amityville Horror um, uh, murders. He, um, when he did what he did, the stu- the uh, state troopers came to that house, and every police police protocol to any crime scene is to take photos. You know, um, and it's one of the hardest things to do, especially on crime scenes for any police officer. And they went through every room of the Amityville Horror house and where all this stuff happened. And there is a famous photo. I don't know if you, you know about the one I'm talking about right now. Of There is a room, I think it was at the top of the steps, and the trooper took a photo. And when they developed the photos, and mind you, it was only the state troopers in that house. They developed the photos and caught it looked like a little boy looking out the doorway um, of the room that he was in and, and the trooper was like there was no one in this house when we took these photos what is this little kid doing in the photo and you could still see that photo out there and to, and to my knowledge I've seen that photo and to yeah. my knowledge I know. 
Uh, and I haven't looked or researched about that photo in a while. It's been like four or five years. Um, but that is still a photo that people cannot explain how or why that is there. Yeah, I, and you know what's interesting is I believe when that photo was taken, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that Ed and Lorraine Warren were in the house at that time, uh, like doing some sort of uh, investigation work along with the detectives. There was a group of people there that time you know, uh, investigating I the house. Don't really, I know of the Warrens and and their um, paranormal adventures and studies. I just don't really know too much mm-hmm. about them in the Amityville Horror um, House. Um, I do know that if a um, investigation is going on and police officers do have questions that they physically can't answer and it's a little bit out there for them, um, it's rare, but there are times where police officers will ask psychics and or paranormal investigators, hey, listen, you know, this person claimed to be hearing this in the house and, you know, we came in here and we don't want to admit it or write it on our report, but we kind of did hear something. So this is why we're allowing you to be here with us right now at this point in time. So it wouldn't actually surprise me if the Warrens were with the troopers while they were, um, you know, going throughout the house, taking their photos and doing what they were doing. You know what also is very interesting about that couple is uh, something that's very heavily related to them, like Ghostbusters, um, is in their basement, they had all those relics and haunted artifacts that they would have stored in cases like the Annabelle doll. And um, I think one of the relics that they had from what the film The Conjuring was based off of, there's, there's so much stuff that they were involved in. But in their basement, they had everything sealed up. And she gave, like, the real Lorraine Warren gave a, a tour of her house. And they she would periodically, throughout her life, had a priest come over and bless that room to not let any of the evil that is attached to those things get out. So it's kind of like her own little ecto-containment yeah. unit that, when you think about it. That's actually a good one because I, you know, that kind of core, we got to kind of hide that in there. <laughs> you could definitely say that that's like a containment unit. Um, yeah. I guess that would be the only way to contain a ghost is keep it in a certain room. Um, if you want to believe in the pouring the soul from the doorway yeah. so things can't out and locking them up with some kind of blessed or a holy water doused ropes or things like that, I guess you can say that's a type of containment unit. Um, that's mm-hmm. how she did it. The Ghostbusters, obviously, in the fiction movie, um, put them in a little Rikers Island red box, which was the containment unit. And, um, you know, <laughs> don't turn the power off. I'm warning you. You know, and and as Peter said, <laughs> this man has no <laughs> But, um, you know, but uh, Joey, I want to thank you for being on this episode. You definitely have to come on again in some future episodes. Um, I want to thank you to all my listeners. You know, you guys know that I have uh, social media outlets. I have my Instagram and Twitter. Both of those outlets are the are named under SWAB underscore podcast, which is short for Say What Again, Billy podcast. I would like to thank the Anchor app for giving me this opportunity to have my friend Joey Valentino on and giving me the opportunity to have this podcast that I've been doing since the 15th episode. I enjoy giving this uh, podcast to all people that are involved and love the paranormal. And again, having the opportunity to have one of my best friends on, one of my best friends who's a great musician and provides all the music for my podcast. 
So um, I want to thank Joey once again. Thanks, Anchor. And for everybody, this has been another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast.